just let your heart go right now. Let your heart be right where it is, however it is. He's mindful of us that we are but dust. He's mindful of us that we are but dust. He's mindful of us. Do you know that the Lord's mindful of you in your weakness, in your failure, in your brokenness, in your trial, in your suffering? The Lord is mindful of us. And he's not ashamed of us. And he delights to show mercy. God is the one who delights in showing mercy. He delights in unfailing love. And his compassions never fail towards us. He delights in me, in my weakness. He delights in me. He's attracted weakness. Do you know that? Do you know that God, he doesn't withdraw from you in weakness. In fact, he doesn't in withdraw from you uh, when you stumble and fall and falter and fail and sin. His arms are outstretched all day long. And he never leaves or forsakes. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? His mercy is new every morning. He's near to us. He never leaves or forsakes. He's available. He's near. He's the Lord with us. He's Emmanuel. Jesus, we thank you for your nearness. In our weakness, we thank you for your nearness. We're going we're gonna to continue uh, praying more and ministering as the Lord leads. But I, uh, I'm just going to kind of talk today. Um, I've got some things for us as a spiritual family in this season. And I believe I'll be ta uh, teaching on some of that. But I just want to talk today and just share my heart. Uh, so we're just, just going to be real today. And let's just humble our hearts before the Lord, posture our hearts before the Lord. But, uh, you know, I just, I want to talk about just the dealings of the Lord, because um, I know I'm being dealt with by the Lord in this season. And I know in different ways and in different measures, we're all being dealt with by the Lord in this season. And what I mean by dealt with is fathered. We're being fathered. And there's, if you've had any time in the Lord knowing God, you know that there's critical uh, moments and seasons and periods, junctures, thresholds that you cross in your life where that gets intensified, and the way God is fathering you and calling you higher and further goes deeper for a season, because it must. 
One of my statements in this season is, aren't you glad he didn't leave you where you were? And aren't you glad he doesn't leave you where you are? Right? He never leaves nor forsakes. And many say the prayer and get into the kingdom and hallelujah, my sins are forgiven and I'm saved from hell. And, and we just kind of leave things there for the most part. And the Lord has so much more for us. He has so much more for us. And he deals with us at, in seasons in very deep ways. And the scripture says that he deals with us as with sons. He deals with us as with sons. Right? He says, what father among you, uh, even earthly father, doesn't discipline or craft or train his son for his good, for his own good. Who, what type of father among you doesn't do this for his own son, let alone our heavenly father, right? Who gets into the deeper places yet again. You know, I know I've been years in this season of just like this mountaintop experience in the Lord for like God. Nine years I've been in this just season that just keeps going upward in its trajectory. And I say year by year by year, Lord, could, could things get any better in my experience <laughs> of you and what you're doing in my life, etc.? And it's funny because the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. However, and <laughs> there's a however to that and an and to that. The answer is yes. Things get so much better, but he has to deal with our hearts to walk in more. He has to deal with our inner life, our paradigms, our attitudes, our character, our appetite, our spiritual appetite has to be dealt with. Our character has to be dealt with. And I, and, and I mean the places that no man sees, maybe only you and your spouse see, and guess what? That's, that's the most intimate relationship we have in this age in flesh is with our spouse. And, you know, if hopefully you're able to fully walk in light with your spouse and vice versa, and that's a deep, intimate place of being known in weakness, in trial. And there's something deeper <laughs> And it's called the God, the Father of your spirit in Hebrews chapter 4. And here's what he says to me. He says, Joseph, he says, I see everything about you. He says, Joseph, he says, all things about you are uncovered and laid bare before me. He says, there's nothing about you that's hidden from me, but there's things about you that are hidden from you. There's things about you that you don't know that I need you to know. I need you to get in touch with so I can deal with the deepest places of the heart. In Hebrews 4, calls it the thoughts and intents of your heart. And there are thoughts and intents of my heart that I don't even see that God sees, and at the right time, he allows you to see it, and he gives you grace to deal with it. <laughs> he, 
His grace is sufficient. His grace does not leave us where we are. And he's leading his people from faith to faith. To faith. To faith, to faith, to faith. See, the Lord never sits down and yawns and calls it good. We do. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord never sits on the bench and says, this far, no further, good enough. We do. I do. <laughs> right? And in those mountaintop seasons of life, we, we feel, and we have in a sense, we feel like we've arrived to a certain place in our spiritual development and progress and maturity, and you spend years there just reveling in it. My God, look what you've done in my life. How could you possibly have taken me from point A to point B, right? And it feels like he's already taken us from point A to point Z. It's like you've done something so grand and glorious. It's like, praise God. Uh, uh, you know, in a sense, it's like, I'm there. Thank you, Lord. I, I'm, I'm a free man, and, and we are. But it's profound, the intricacies of our paradigms in our heart attitudes that go unnoticed for periods of our life until it's time for the Lord to call us higher and take us deeper. And he begins, as a father does, to lay his hand on you. <laughs> and he begins, as a father does, to, if necessary, put his finger in my chest and get my attention that little foxes spoil vines. That little things, attitudes, paradigms, perspectives, approaches, characteristics can spoil the whole life. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. This stuff's crazy. I'm, I'm preaching to me right now, and you can listen, but I'm preaching to me. I'm in a season like this, and I'm not alone in this. This is how the Lord deals with us. And if what's coming is coming in this generation, if what's coming is coming, his dealings are only going to get more intentional and real because he is a father and he will not leave us unprepared. He will not leave us in the shoes we're in because he knows how unprepared we are and how Americanized my Christianity is and how personalized my Christianity is and how independent my Christianity is. And he's not willing to leave me in those shoes. He wasn't willing to leave the church of Laodicea in their shoes. <laughs> and he comes to them with eyes like fire. And guess what? He wasn't angry with them. He wasn't there to condemn. He was there with eyes of flaming fire, love saying, I see everything, and I'm here to refine you like gold and silver. I'm here to burn in your midst that the fire in my eyes with Joseph would get into your heart on a deeper level and refine you like gold so that you glisten like gold. That the pressures that I will allow to touch your heart are necessary to bring all the dross and any filth in your soul to the surface so that I can wipe it off 
and you would shine like glistening gold. This is the reason for every trial and temptation in your life. Not that you would flounder and fail. God tests us to prove us to be his own. He tests us not to prove us wrong. He tests us to prove us right. He tests us so that he could have something to show off before the powers of the air and a lost and dying world. God is after something in the church in this hour of church history like no other time in church history. Because these are last days. These are red letter times. This is a red letter season of church history. Jesus prophesied to his disciples, his generation of the day we live in. Do you know why? Has that ever perplexed you? Like, And then we get all these weird theologies that, well, all that already happened. And so we really don't need to take this thing too serious because it already happened. And then we spiritualize it so that we don't have any sense of divine responsibility on our life to cooperate with God and become the mature sons of God and the bride that he's after in returning for. These are red-letter seasons. Jesus told his disciples about the days we live in because Jesus understands that that day, touching my heart, is of utmost importance and necessity to prepare me to stand in that day. If they needed to hear it, I need to hear it. 2,000 years ago, they needed to hear about that day because Jesus understands how it works in the heart. Listen, not only to stand in that day, but ultimately to stand before him and receive reward for my obedience. Receive reward for my yes to the dealings of God that I didn't forsake or despise his discipline. See to it that you do not despise his discipline. For God deals with you as with sons. He's a father. Don't mistake his discipline. And by the way, for most of my Christian life, I could only see discipline through one lens, and it was correction. And guess what? That's not the only biblical meaning of discipline. Right? There's pruning and there's discipline, and they're completely different. Jesus prunes the tree that bears fruit. Why? Because he wants to make you more beautiful. He wants you to bear more fruit. So he'll chop things off that are permissible, but maybe not profitable. As Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, there's things in life that are permissible, Joseph. They're not sin. They're permissible. But they may come a time in your life where those permissible things are no longer profitable for you because of the time and season you live in and the role I have for you to play in that time and season. Yeah, it's serious. I'm hearing this. So the Lord deals with us as with sons. He's after maturity. The mature sons of God. And guess what? That maturity, if it were up to him, we'd all be made mature, but we won't all be made mature because we have a part to play in the process. And not everyone says yes. The scripture is clear. Not everyone will cooperate when God comes to be a father and touch something. 
because it hurts, right? The dealings of the Lord are painful at times. He scourges every son whom he receives to himself out of love. He doesn't spare us of process in testings and trials, and he doesn't spare us of suffering. In fact, we ought to take it as the norm to be tested and tried by the Lord, to be tempted by the enemy, right? It's the norm. This is where we're at. <laughs> there's war and there's the dealings of God. And it's crazy when they happen simultaneously because they often do. The Lord starts to deal with your heart and your mind and simultaneously the enemy comes in to try to thwart that dealing because he knows what it means if you cooperate. He knows what it means if you say yes at the expense of your own time, life, finance, plans, purposes, agenda. He knows what it means if you say yes and give up your life on another level. He knows it means authority because authority isn't spiritual magic. There's a lot of spiritual magicians in the church, and I'm not being mean. There's a lot of magic in the church that's not true authority. True authority is a broken and contrite spirit, and your deeds in your life and your character have been wrought by God. You know God in secret, and so he can trust you in public. And if you don't know God in secret where no man sees, I have no business being in public where men see. And God is raising up leaders and laborers and stewards in this hour. We are not churchgoers. Those days are over and they won't work anymore. We are his beloved children purchased at the expense of innocent blood. The highest price that could have been paid for us was paid already and it'll never be paid again. He bought you with blood, innocent blood. He was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. The holy one bought the unholy. The righteous one bought the wicked. The sinless one purchased the sinner. And we belong to him. And the church in this hour has to reckon with that reality. I am not my own. I was bought with blood. And if God's going to deal with me on a deeper level and it's going to cost me something in this life, so be it. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord, and I will be saved. <laughs> Deliver me from any vestige of the spirit of this world and its ideologies and its wisdom and its customs and its value system. Deliver me. Expel that from me. The, the smallest inroads of the wisdom of this world. Right? The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. The boastful pride of life. 1 John chapter 2 says, doesn't come from God, it comes from the world. And God is dealing with this stuff. He's squeezing the sponge of our heart. He's purging the inner reality of our lives so that we can steward and express external authority. Real authority in the earth to deal with real problems are only going to get worse, says Jesus, says the apostles. All the more reason I want to take heed to however God is dealing with me as with a son. 
I want to be prepared because I'm fooling myself if I think I can just sit on the bench and stay the course and ride out the mountaintop. Matthew 17. Lord, let's build a tabernacle. This is glorious. This is wonderful. Let's just stay right here. This is what it's all about. And Jesus said, no. No, it's not what it's all about, boys. It's not all about your personal enjoyment, the anointing, the glory, the presence of God, the revelation, right? He says, it's not what it's all about. He says, we've got work to do. And after having such a profound, revelatory, prophetic, supernatural experience, he says, come on, boys, back down where the real deal is. Back down among humanity. We've got stuff to do. We can't stay here and hang out. That's being dealt with in the charismatic church. That's one of our greatest errors in every prior move of the Holy Spirit in the church is that we've turned that move inwardly upon ourselves rather than become stewards and see it through to completion and fulfillment that it would achieve its ultimate end and result, which is harvest and maturity. The maturity of the church and the harvest of souls and the preparation of those souls to meet the Lord. This is serious stuff. I might be a little scattered today, but I, I just, I'm just going with what's in my spirit. These are times we live in. God is saying, Joseph, what are you really after? And if there's little places that still want a way of life that's not entirely biblical, he's going to deal with it. He's going to give you opportunity to deal with it. He, he will not force it, but he will invite you as a father would a son, right? Into deeper dealings, character development, purging, purification, testings of your faith. Profound. He doesn't leave us where we are. So this dual thing of the testing of the Lord on your life, everyone in here has been tested in some way. Maybe you're being tested right now. The Lord does not tempt, he tests. <laughs> he tests your faith. He tests your character. He tests your obedience to him. He gives you opportunities and options to see what you'll do so you can see what you'll do so that you can learn the way of righteousness. <laughs> he wants to prove you to be his own. It's profound. He wants to display your life as a trophy of his grace before the powers of the air. Isn't that what he did with Job? Isn't that what God did with Jesus? You look at Job and Jesus, that's the testing of God. And it involves temptation. Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. God was going to prove that he had a man, a fully human being, a man in the flesh, mortal, tempted in all things as we are. And God proved that his grace and power was sufficient to keep a man 
from temptation. Profound. You know he can do that for you? Whatever you've stumbled in or are stumbling in? Or maybe tempted to stumble in? His grace is sufficient. The same power and word that kept Jesus <laughs> will keep you. Profound. Job was tested, tried. <laughs> you, that's like that's like the Bible horror story, right? <laughs> it's like scary. It, it's like that. It's like if there's a piece of horror in the Bible, it's Job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But the jealousy of God to fully develop a man or woman is revealed in Job. And he allowed, he allowed testing to come upon Job to prove Job before the powers of the air. I've got a man who fears me. I've got a man who will choose to fear me. I've got a man who won't curse me. I've got a man who doesn't despise my reproof. I've got a man or woman on earth who says yes to the way I'm going to deal with him or her to bring him or her to fullness and give them more than they had before the testing. That's Job. It's stewardship. It's why you and I in our resurrected bodies will watch Job receive a rich reward, eternal treasure before Jesus Christ. Wow. We will watch that man stand before Jesus and receive a reward that he couldn't have had without the testing and the tempting. Profound. Do you want that? I do. Ouch, it hurts. If you want it, you cannot have that without the mess. <laughs> you can't have glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ without testing and tempting in this age. And successful shifting through it. Successful dealings. And if you've had unsuccess with God trying to deal with you, as with a son or a daughter, guess what? His grace is so sufficient, you get to put your foot right back in the race and keep pick up where you left off. Profound. You can't earn this thing. It's a free gift. Take it. If you've spurned him and said, Lord, I don't like this. I don't want this. If you've forsaken his dealings, pick them back up. Lord, deal with me as with a son. Deal with me. Father me. Make me more like Jesus. I want to stand before you like gold. I want to receive a rich reward. I want to be a good steward now so I can be a good steward then because they're connected. You can't be trusted in the age to come. The, the song we, that Renee started off with today is what this whole existence is about. Jesus has a day coming. He paid a high price. He has a day coming. You think you got your day coming. I think I got my day coming. I think I have a destiny, and I do, and you do. The Son of Man has a destiny, and you're it. You're it. Without spot or wrinkle, he prefers that you'd say yes through your life and cooperate with grace so that you could stand before him as his rich reward. Profound. This is serious. 
That day makes sense of all of these days. And without that day, all of these days are but vanity. It's vanity. It's about my personalized Christianity or it's about his personalized Christianity. It's about his day, his reward, his eternal purpose. Profound. Profound. I want to say one more thing about testing and tempting. Have you been tempted? Yes, you have, because you're flesh and blood. Are you being tempted? Maybe, maybe not. But here's what you can be assured of. As long as you have breath in this age, you will be tested and you will be tempted. And there's grace to be tested and cooperate with God unto maturity. There's grace to be perfected in your obedience. That's what Paul said to Corinth. Wow. That a spiritual community could be completed in their obedience to Jesus. Wow. God will do that. That's the church being matured. He's doing this globally. And there's, there's always a way of escape for temptation of the enemy. God says, here's how good God is. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape for you so that you don't stumble and fall into error or sin, whatever that looks like. It could be in your thoughts, your attitudes, your character, your lifestyle, whatever it is. But there's a way of escape in the Lord from every temptation that will come your way. What a profound promise. What a profound hope we have. Lord, there's a way out. <laughs> Lord, there's grace to be tested. There's grace to grow. There's only grace to grow in the Lord. Grace isn't stay where you are and live the high life. Grace is for growth, development obedience, tracking with God intentionally, not striving, not works of the flesh, not living under law, but walking by the Spirit, walking in grace and allowing God to shift and change and transform your inner. The inner is what he's after. Amen. He's after the heart of the matter always. Amen. Well, my intention today is just to bear my heart. Man, God is serious about what he's doing, and he wants us serious about it. Again, not prune-faced serious, happy-faced serious, like delighting to do his will, right? Because it's one or the other. It's either prune-faced Christianity, and we just reveal that this thing's like really tough, and oh, God, it's a drag. Or we understand what he's after and that he delights in us, and that he's making us into something that is going to be glorious and beautiful to the world and to Jesus in the days ahead. And it's happy. It's a happy thing. It's a delightful thing. Psalm 40, Jesus said, Behold, I delight to do your will. <laughs> right? If there's another way, I'll take it in the flesh. 
But nevertheless, not what I will, what you will. I delight to do your will, O God, even if it means crucifixion and absorbing the sins of the world. I'll take it. So, Lord, we ask you to craft our hearts like only you do. Every man, woman, family, household, young and old, we thank you.